so for the uh, the last few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of um, of a mantra that we live by as followers of Jesus that we should be saying to Him be the glory in all that we do and all that we say. And it's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always an easy thing to fall into. And and in in a lot of ways, it's a mindset. But in some ways. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's even more difficult because of our sinfulness, because of our selfishness, um, to, to really be looking to give him the glory when many times we very naturally and easily fall into the place of, of giving ourselves the glory. A lot of times uh, we get frustrated with that too because our plans don't always work out the way that we want them to. Um, you know, you can plan things as much as you want, but sometimes God's end game is just different than yours, uh, and that's all there is to it. And we've been through a lot. We've all been through a lot the last couple of years, and a lot's changed, and a lot's changed for, uh, for us individually, a lot's changed for our world, a lot's changed for our church. And about the only thing we can count on to continue uh, being consistent is change because things are going to keep changing. Um, that's just the way that it is. And, and we want to say we're almost there. And in a lot of ways we are. Um, but we sometimes go there instead of really taking a step back and recognizing and realizing and learning from what God has shown us and from what God's done during the waiting and during that time. A lot of times our mantra can feel like we're almost there, and, uh, and, and it really shouldn't as followers of Jesus, because when our focus is on him, when it's on his glory, it's on his mission, uh, it's on his power, his freedom, his plans um, become uh, shown to us maybe in ways that we could have never imagined through circumstances maybe we didn't think we would have to go through, but God shows those uh, things to us. And so our battle cry and our mantra and all that we do is to him be the glory. And so as we've walked through Ephesians 3 together, um, we know that Ephesians uh, is a letter that was written to the church in Ephesus. It was written for a purpose. It was written for a reason um, uh, to a, a real group of people at a real time to a real church. Um, and it wasn't to confront a specific problem. It was really to encourage and to lift up, but also to give some, uh, some instruction as well. Um, but the encouragement and the, and the emphasis on the church on, uh, on what this divine institution that Jesus established as the church. There's some things that we can learn there. There's some, some parallels and some insights for us as Connect Church, but also just for all of us as believers um, that, that we can learn from here. So in a lot of ways, the chapter actually talks through the function of the church, um, uh, or at least the entire letter does, and, and the things that we can learn there. Um, let me just give you a little bit of a... Um, background on the things that we've looked at the last two weeks. So the first week we talked about how um, many times there's growth in the waiting. And when we're waiting on God and we're, we're in a circumstance where we feel like we've just been waiting and maybe we even feel shackled and we feel uh, handcuffed or even in a prison of sorts as we know Paul was writing this letter from a prison. And that we see that if, if we really keep our focus with God, that, that we realize that there, a lot of times there's purpose in our prison. In the prison that maybe we feel like we're in, that God has a purpose in that. And he, may, he might be playing the long game because we're not really good at waiting on the long game to happen. But God does amazing things through that and through purpose there. But because of that fact, as we talked about last week, we can walk confidently 
in the fact that his glory is linked to the glory of the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean this building. I mean us as followers of Jesus, the people, the gathering of, of God's people, um, all of us that make up the church, that his glory is linked to the glory of the church because the church is the vehicle in which Jesus established to bring his glory. And we're gonna talk more about that today. And so Ephesians chapter three, we're gonna continue reading um, through the, the chapter today. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 17. And so if you're joining us online or you're here and you wanna follow along in the notes, you can pull up the Bible app, the free Bible app, and you can find the notes there. Just uh, hit the little uh, lines. It's all known as a hamburger button uh, on the bottom right. And you can uh, hit events and find Connect Church in Akron, Ohio and follow along with us. Um, or if you have your physical Bible, awesome. Turn to Ephesians 3. So here's what he says. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to move through this place now. I pray that as we read your word, as we dissect some of the things that you have there for us, God, I pray that your spirit would, uh, would pierce each and every one of us. We're all coming from different places, different backgrounds, different circumstances that we've gone through even just this week that have brought us to this place here and now. And none of us are here uh, by accident. Um, God, I know that you bring us together for a reason and for a purpose. So Lord, I pray that you would move uh, now through this place, continue to move. Bless the reading of your word. Show us what you have for us today. God, challenge us and change us now. In your name we pray, amen. So have you heard this statement before? It says, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Have you heard that statement before? I'm sure a lot of us have heard this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. It's a mantra of sorts, absolutely. Um, but let me ask you this. What makes us care in the first place? What makes us care in our service to people or in our interactions with people? Let me ask it this way. Have you ever said this statement or heard this statement from somebody? Why should I care? Yeah, we probably all even said that a little bit. Why should I care? It doesn't affect me. Well, why should you care? As followers of Jesus, don't we uh, frame things like that a little bit differently? Shouldn't we as, we as we look at others? Maybe ask this way, what should make us care? What should make us care about others? Well, Paul actually tells us in, in another letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians I want to look at these verses before we jump back into Ephesians here for a minute. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, right at the beginning of this letter, he talks about this idea of why we should care, and, and in many ways going back to the purpose in our pain sort of idea. So look at what he says here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort. So he kind of starts with saying, to him be the glory in all things, and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, 
so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So think about it this way, in terms of what he's saying. The level of difficulty or problems or crushing tragedy that you've been through or are going through will be the level of consolation, if you will, that you'll receive. And, and that comes to us in turn so that we can comfort others with the comfort that we found in Jesus. Here's another way of saying it. The, the things that you've gone through, the junk that you've gone through in your life, God can use that in your life to help others. Heard it said this way, if he brought you through it, or if he brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. And if he brings you through it, he's brought you through it with a purpose and for a reason to help others. As I was reading in a commentary about this, I found this statement, so I thought I'd just read it word for word. It says, if you found comfort in Jesus in your most difficult season, and he brought you through it, he did it so that you could share his presence and comfort with others who might be going through the same thing. See, God doesn't waste our hurt and God doesn't waste our pain. We do. Sometimes we waste it. We're sinful people. We don't always get it right. But in fact, most of the time, God uses it for building. See, it's never for nothing. It's never for nothing. And I know you might be saying, Jay, you don't know what all I've, I've gone through. And you're right, I know. But I trust in God's word that very clearly is saying that whatever you're going through, and you may not see the end goal in mind, you may not see it for a long time, if ever, but it's never for nothing. It's never for nothing. Most of the time, God uses it for building. And so as we take that idea, and we kind of build on that a little bit, let's look at what Paul's saying in Ephesians 3. Let's go back to our passage we're looking at today. And here's the first verse. He says this. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So he's writing this to a church, a real church at a real time for a real reason. And he's saying, don't be discouraged because of the sufferings I'm going through. Now, Paul's gone through some junk. He's gone through some stuff, and he's going to continue to. He's writing this from prison. He's, he's gone through shipwrecks and being beaten and, and arrested, beaten half to death, beaten mostly to death. Princess Bride, he's mostly dead, you know, not all dead. But like he has gone through some stuff. And, and so as he's, as he's writing this and he's, and he's telling them this, he's saying, don't be discouraged because of my sufferings here because it's for your glory and it's for the mission. It's for the mission that God has given me. Don't be discouraged because God is still using me to do what he's called me to do even through this. And that is to be a vessel in building the church. Because even though he was in prison, even though he had gone through all this stuff, even though he couldn't actually physically go anywhere anymore, he was still like, okay, well, there's purpose in this. So I'm going to still do what I can do to complete the mission that God has given me. And so he's writing. He's writing, so don't be discouraged, he's saying, because it's for the glory of God. It's for the church. See, the church is how God does what he's doing, right? It's the how behind all of it. It's, the church is how God works in the world. We are all the bricks of what God is building. And when you disconnect from the church, 
Hear me on this. When you disconnect from the church, you disconnect yourself from the power of God because it's the way in which God has chosen to work. That doesn't mean you completely disconnect yourself, like completely, completely, but there's a lot of power wrapped up, the power of God wrapped up into the church. So when you do disconnect yourself from the church, you're disconnecting yourself from an aspect of God's power that is amazing. See, God put all the ways he wants to minister to you and to others, that's wrapped into the strategy that is known as the church. That's his plan. And a lot of times when we run into tough times, when we run into junk in our life, the first thing that we do is we step back from the church. That's where we naturally go. We, we even do that with other people, right? When, you know, some of our friend group or things like that, or we, you know, we, we get into a little tussle and the first thing we do is retract instead of leaning in to the people that we know love us and, and working through that. And, and in many ways, the opposite of that is really what we should do as the church. We should lean in even more. That's what this body of believers is for. It doesn't mean you have to have it all right or you have to have it all figured out. Part of being a part of the family of God and connecting to each other, connecting to Christ and community and purpose, all of that is wrapped into the mission and vision of the church, of what we should be. All of that has nothing to do with our building. It has everything to do with us and who we are and who God's called us to be. See, we have a treasure. We have the light of the world, Jesus Christ, in these earthen vessels, as it says in 2 Corinthians. But let me ask you this. How is that light seen in the world? How is that light seen in the world? How is it seen? It's not when things are comfy. It's not when things are cushy. It's not when things are great. It's not. The world is not impressed with that. The world is not, we think that they are, but they're not. The world's not impressed with that. The enemy is not beaten back by that. The world wants to see the mystery of Christ in us, not just hear about it. So how do they see it? How do they see it? See, the light shines through the vessel when it's broken. Think about that for a minute. We're all broken here. Every one of us, we're all broken. We don't all have it all right. We don't all have it all together. That's why we all need Jesus. We're all broken vessels in some way, shape, or form. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. And they only see it the world only sees it when the vessel is broken. And that, so l let me explain it to you this way. When you're serving in 90 degree heat in a warehouse and you're sorting clothes for people that are less fortunate and you feel like you're gonna like have a heat stroke, Mission Akron team is like looking at me right now, you know? Yeah, th those moments, those times when you're not really feeling like being Jesus to people around you, but you do it anyway, right? That statement, you, you might be the only Jesus someone else ever sees. Think about that. The light shines through when the vessel is broken. Let's get real for a minute. When your spouse walks out on you unexpectedly, 
you keep worshiping the Lord faithfully and you still stay true to him. When the doctor says it's malignant and we don't really know what we're gonna do, you remain strong in your faith. When your business goes belly up and you say to him, be the glory. When your teenager breaks your heart and you still love him anyway and you still love him in Jesus' name. When you're cut from the team and you're getting bullied and you feel like you're all alone on an island by yourself but you keep your eyes on Jesus and, and you trust in him and you trust in his plan the world sees the light shining through the broken vessel when you don't have all the money when the permits keep getting delayed and you have to shut the entire church down because of a pandemic and you keep saying to him be the glory and a building shows up to him be the glory see the world gets to see Christ in you the world gets to see Christ in you the hope of glory shining through you because all of us have cracks in our broken vessel that the light of Jesus can shine out of and shine through in amazing ways and in seeing the, the mystery that's there they're drawn to the Father and the streets of heaven get a little bit more crowded that's the goal. Amen? Amen? Let's keep reading. Verse 14. It says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. See, the basis of Paul's prayer here his prayer here was based on, on his knowledge of God's purpose in his life, meaning he was confidently praying according to the will of God. And we can't effectively pray if we don't have insight into God's purpose and will for our life. And he says, I bow my knees, right? I kneel. He's saying he's, he's on his knees and he prays in this posture of bowing to his knees, literally and figuratively, and this was different in the day because we see that and don't think much of it. But in the day, this was not a normal posture of prayer in the culture very often. Um, most of the time, people would pray standing with their hands raised. And there's nothing wrong with either of those. Absolutely not. But this was showing a, a moment of, of surrender. This was showing a posture of humility and surrender to whatever God was wanting to do. And he, he's emphasizing God's work and God's power so that we can know God's love more and more and more. And the power shining, again, from the inside out of the broken vessel, using the things that have happened in our life, using the brokenness in our life to shine the light of Jesus in other places. And, and the word he's using here for power the Greek word that, that he uses here, it says with, with power, is the word dunamis that actually is where our word dynamite comes from. It stems really from that original word there. So we're talking about violent power, right? Mighty 
mighty strength, power, you know, um, explosion <laughs> of power. A lot of times, it's unfortunate, but in some ways I get it. People are hesitant to commit their time and their energy to an imperfect body of believers. And you know what? Every single body of believers that you find are imperfect. You're never gonna find a perfect group. But you know what? This isn't a social club. That's not the goal. It's God's temple. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively. We are the bricks in the construction that God is building for his glory. We are the bricks. And so let me ask you this. How involved do you want to be in God's building project? Because he's working on something. He's always building. And we're the bricks of that project. So how involved do you want to be? And I don't mean the physical building. I mean what he's building through his church with each and every one of us. Let me put it this way. How would your life change if you knew for a fact that God saw you? And I don't mean like just us as, as Connect Church. I mean you personally, individually, as God's primary instrument to reach our community. Like literally you. You are his plan A. There is no plan B. You are his plan A. How would that change everything in your life? It would change everything in your life, right? Your, your identity, your marching orders are clear. As the church, we must be involved. Because here's the thing. As, as the pastor, in, in a lot of ways, I see us planted here where we are in this community as God's plan A to reach our community. That's what we're called to do, to be planted here. We wouldn't, we're not here for, for just whatever. We're not here for, for anything else other than to help fill the streets of heaven and to connect people to Christ and community and purpose. So we are, as far as I'm concerned, we are God's plan A for this community where we're planted. And so it affects everything that we do, or at least it should. And so how involved do you want to be in God's building project? And how is it accomplished? Well, it starts individually and collectively, and it spills out. As we read the last verse in our, in our passage today, the last part of the verse in Ephesians 3.17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So how does this happen? How does this begin to happen? How, do, how does the, the missional mindset that we have as a group, as followers of Jesus, as the church, the vision that he's given us, how, how does that keep being formed and, and keep happening? Well, the Greek word for dwell here um, literally means to settle down and to be at home. That idea to settle down and be at home. So let me ask you this. Is Christ at home in your heart? And this is a different perspective here for a second. Is he in you in such a place so that you can share that with others from a level of, of, of 
comfortability because he is at home with you. And you can in turn relay and share that with others because to him be the glory. Let me, let me make a parallel to it in this way. What's the best place to hang out in your home? If you have people over, think about this for a minute. You have people over to your house or you go to somebody else's house to hang out. Where's the best place to hang out? You might have the living room set up great, right? Where is it? Y'all know it. It's the kitchen. Absolutely, it's the kitchen. I've had some of the best conversations just even over the years of, of youth ministry all the way through some of the most meaningful conversations like sitting on the counter in my kitchen or leaning up against the stove. In the, it just happens, right? We just congregate in the kitchen and we're just standing. It may not be the biggest room. In fact, it's probably not. And there's like 12 of you like crammed in a kitchen that's like this big and you're just standing there hanging out having a great conversation and a great time. Why? There's warmth. There's food, right? It's got this welcoming feeling that kind of levels the playing field. You're, you're comfortable. It's casual. There's food. <laughs> there's food. Um, coffee shops have really learned this well. If you think about coffee shops over the last couple of years, well, shoot, over the last 10 years or so, um, if not more, like, let's be honest, they're kitchens with just coffee. And, and now they're doing like pastries and some sandwiches and all that stuff. Like, don't just tell me you're a coffee shop. You're just a kitchen and everybody wants to come and hang out. And that's what we do, don't we? It's that third space. Like, we, we just love going and sitting at a coffee shop and hanging out. Why do we love to do that? Because let's be honest, it just feels like you're hanging out in the kitchen. There's a lot to learn from that. I guarantee you that in the new building, in the multi-purpose center, there's an awesome cafe that's in there that I can't wait for you to see because you're gonna end up hanging out there. I'm just telling you, it's gonna happen. You're gonna just naturally gravitate that, to that place. It happens in the cafe that we have in this building. We just naturally gravitate and hang out there. But think about the principles of that when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. That level of comfort that we have of just hanging out in the kitchen or hanging out at the coffee shop how often are we just hanging out with Jesus? How often are we hanging out with him in this place to just hang out with Jesus and not just dwelling, for Jesus to be dwelling within us, that, that level of comfortability, we can say to him be the glory because we are comfortable in all of the trials and the tribulations and the, the junk and the storms that we have gone through that we have found his strength and his power and his grace and his spirit and we're comfortable in the fact that Jesus has been there with us with his arms around us walking us through it every single time even if it doesn't make sense we're still comfortable with Jesus and he's hanging out there with us see we can only love others to the measure that we are full of God's love. Think about that. We can only love others to the measure that we are full of God's love. We can only do so much on our own. We can only do so much on our own. But you can't share something that you don't have. You can't share something that you don't have. Maybe you've spent time trying to learn about God, and that's great, but you haven't hung out with him. There's a difference. You can learn about God, all the intellectual pieces, absolutely. You can read books and all of that stuff. You can learn about God and you can have 
this. But if it hasn't moved to here, if you haven't really just hung out with Jesus, I'm telling you, you're missing something. You're missing an aspect of the faith that you can't put your finger on. And this level of comfortability with your creator, that's an amazing thing. See, when we seek God, we get God. When you seek God, you get God. Now that's a biblical principle, I promise you. I I reworded it, but it's a biblical principle. Seeking his presence, setting your mind and your heart on him. It says in Colossians 3, it says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Glorifying God, glorifying God, that encourages others. And loving our brothers and sisters brings delight to God. Being able to walk somebody through something because you're the only person that understands what they've been through or are going through. God may have put you through that circumstance specifically so that you can share with someone. As I look around the room, I know some of the stories around here and I know some of the junk that we've all been through and I know some of the times that God's given you opportunities to use that story for his glory. But listen, if you want to get involved with God's building project, and we all should, we need to remember that he has already built and he's continuing to build in you a project that is intended to be used for his glory. What he's doing and what he is building through your life, even right now, I don't care what season of life you're in, he is building to be used for his glory. And that is so much a part of the mission and vision and God's building project of what Connect Church is all about moving forward. Yes, we're about to turn a page over, no doubt about it, but we're not taking our foot off the gas. If anything, we're stepping on it even harder because we could get complacent when we turn that page as we step into the new building, but that's not a finish line. That's a new starting line as far as I'm concerned. We have an opportunity because we are God's plan A for our community to reach people for Jesus. And you know where it begins? Individually with each and every one of you and all of us then collectively coming together. So the connection point for the day is that your story is his building project. To him be the glory. I don't know everybody's story But wherever you are in terms of that story right now, it's his building project. And I hope that maybe you're at a place where you're ready to surrender some aspects of it, if not all of it, so that you can hang out with Jesus and be a blessing to other people. And so I want to do something a little bit different right now. Because Paul talked about in... um, in these passages that we read. He talked about this idea of, of bowing to his knees in this, in this posture of humility and in prayer to really surrender to the Lord. And I know that this might seem a little bit different. Um, and, and if you're not able, it's okay. And if you feel uncomfortable, it, it's totally fine. 
because I want this to be an individual moment between all of us and the Lord. But I would ask you if you would join me for us to literally and figuratively bow to our knees where we are in prayer and pray for God to use our story for his glory. Again, you don't have to, if you're not comfortable, if you're even not able, look, God cares so much more about the posture of our heart than he does about the posture of our physical bodies. But if you're able, would you join me as we literally bow to our knees together as a church and pray? And I know some of you aren't dressed for this and it's okay. Heavenly Father, we bow before you in surrender, in humility, declaring, Lord, that, that you are worthy of all praise. God, that we want to give you the glory. And as we bow physically, Lord, I pray that, that you would take each and every one of us, that you would use our story for your building project for the kingdom that you're building. God, this world needs to hear of your good news. This world needs to hear of your glory. Lord, the, the light of Jesus shines through these broken vessels. And so, Father, we, we give ourselves to you. And I pray that you will use each and every one of us in some way, shape, or form to make a difference in our community for you. Lord, I realize that there may be some here that don't have a relationship with you. There may be some here that are just asking some questions, figuring this out for the first time, don't even understand all of this. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that they would know that you love them. Father, that, that you want to do something through their story and through whatever's going on in their life. And so God, I pray that if there's one here or watching online that doesn't know you as Savior, that today might be the day that they get that right with you. Jesus, I pray that, our, that we together as your church, that we can make a, a collective impact in our community for you, God. Plan A, there is no plan B. And so we give ourselves to you. Lord, use our story to make a difference for your kingdom. Build your kingdom through us, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.